Well, let's take our Bibles and go to Matthew chapter 9. <clears throat> Usually when we go to Matthew chapter 9, what verses are we looking at? Yeah, towards the end of the chapter, uh, especially in October around here. Uh, you can pretty much figure to hear it once or twice in our missions month. Uh, but this time we're going to look at everything but that, all right? Verses 35 through 38 is what we usually look at in Matthew 9, but we're going to be looking at the rest, of the, almost the, the whole chapter. As we ask the question tonight, why not believe God for a miracle? Why not? I, I wonder as we go into 2023, and don't feel bashful, throw your hand up there, why not? I'm going to. But how many of you, 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 there's a miracle you've been praying for? Could be health, could be anything, could be someone getting saved, it could be a new job, it could be for the Detroit Tigers to, or Lions, or, you know. Uh, but okay, hands all over the room, praise the Lord. Don't be bashful to ask God for a miracle. Uh, many people have done it before you, and others will after you. And we've got plenty of reason in the Bible to ask God for a miracle. And we need some moving of God supernaturally in these days. We need some miracles. America needs some miracles. <clears throat> some of our brothers and sisters in Christ with health problems need some miracles. There are some people who are not saved that need to be saved. And every time somebody gets saved, that's a miracle. And others, it seems even like a bigger miracle. Uh, it's always a miracle. For some of us, our finances need a miracle, and that's not a joke, right? Some of us, we need a miracle in the finances. We've got some college students here, and you've got school bills, and I remember praying for miracles so I could go back to school. And there were a few times I got back to school, and I wasn't sure how in the world did that happen. How did this all come together? I was going to work the whole year and forget school, or at least postpone school, and the Lord worked a miracle and got me back. I, I, I tell you this, I like reading stories, missionary biographies and so forth about the miracles that these folks see. But I don't know about you, whenever I read about this, I, I'm always thinking, I want one. I, I want one of my own. I don't want to just read about your miracle. I rejoice with you, but I want to get a piece of that action. Let's look at Matthew chapter 9. <clears throat> the Bible says in verse 1, <clears throat> excuse me, and he entered into a ship and passed over and came into his own city. And behold, they brought to him a sick man of the palsy, lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemeth. Don't you love that? That might have been a good Baptist, you never know. Uh, sometimes... <laughs> We can, we can get on the wrong side of a miracle when God's doing something because we don't have the faith to see what God is about. This man blasphemeth. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore think ye evil in your hearts? I'll stop there for a minute. I know we're just reading Scripture. We haven't gotten to preaching yet. But I want you to look at that. He called it evil, what they were thinking in their hearts. It was evil, their unbelief. It was evil to doubt Christ. It was evil to call what he was doing blasphemy. I wonder, have we been guilty of thinking evil in our hearts regarding the miracles that God wants to work in our lives? 
We'll keep reading. For whether it is easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, <clears throat> or to say, Arise and walk, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. Then he saith to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up thy bed and go unto thine house. And he arose and departed to his house. But when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, which had given such power unto men. Lord, help us as we look at your, your word and help us to see that you are a miracle-working God. And you do give such incredible power unto men. And you work that power among men. Lord, we long to see you work in our lives, in our church, in our families, in our young people, in our country, and in our world. Pray, Lord, that you'd help us, that you would stir up some faith within us this evening. Faith to step out, faith to depend upon you and to trust you for your omnipotent power to work and be unleashed in these days. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're actually going to look at a few stories of miracles here. That was the first one, but the passage continues, and there's a few more. You might say there's four in this passage, but I'm going to suggest that there's really five, and we'll come back to that. <clears throat> we start off with the story of the lame man, sick of the palsy, who was lowered through the roof by his friends, now, this passage doesn't talk about the roof so much, but if you put it together with the other passages, uh, this does seem to be the same story where the man uh, comes being born by his friends and then they take the roof apart and they lower him down. If you just imagine this story, it's really, it's really out there, isn't it? How would you like to have Jesus over to your house for Sunday night after church? You're passing popcorn and he's sharing some devotions. Next thing you know, here's somebody coming through your roof. Uh, okay. I did a little bit of looking into this, this this afternoon to see what were these roofs like. And, and uh, the, the study that I did uh, suggested that uh, the way that they constructed their roofs many times in that day uh, things would have been a little bit easier to, to get through, but still it was a job. You had to get up on the roof with a lame man, and you had to get through this material, and then you had to come up with rope somehow, or maybe they thought, maybe they had the whole thing worked out from the beginning. And they lower him down, and uh, I don't know about you, but I would feel a little bit embarrassed would you feel like, like I'm intruding? This is out of my comfort zone, big time. Breaking and entering, vandalism, uh, just I don't know what else you want to throw at these guys. <clears throat> this was sticking their necks out big time. But they did it because they wanted a miracle. And not only did they want a miracle, they wanted it bad. Is that bad English? They wanted it a lot, okay? They really, nothing was going to stop them. <clears throat> but you would never be motivated, no matter how much you wanted a miracle, you'd never be motivated to take these steps if you didn't know someone about, something about the someone you were asking. They had to have heard something. They had to have gotten bits and pieces of who this was 
And they said, this is the guy. Let's move. You grab the rope. You grab the, you know, the, the, the stretcher or whatever they had him on. And let's go. Let's get a couple of strong guys. And we've got to get through this crowd. And we, we are not going to be turned away. Well, we're going to come back and talk about each of these stories. But first, I want to get all the stories on the table. So let's skip ahead. It's a great passage of Scripture. <clears throat> but we're going to skip ahead to verse 18. Verse 18 has uh, the ruler's uh, daughter who was raised from the dead. While he spake these things unto them, behold, there came a certain ruler and worshipped him, saying, My daughter, <clears throat> wow, this is just not going to go away. <clears throat> My daughter is even now dead. But come and lay thy hand upon her, and she shall live. Again, we go from one crazy story that we think is about as crazy as it's going to get. You get to the next story, it just got crazier. This guy is a certain ruler. That means he should have a head on his shoulders. He, sh he should know that dead people are dead and they stay dead. But not this guy. And he comes out, his reputation on the line. He doesn't care, just like the guys before. Throwing seemingly care to the wind, I'm going to go talk to this person person who I believe is more than just a person I'm going to ask for the impossible my daughter is even now dead but come and lay thy hand upon her and she shall live and Jesus arose and followed him and so did his disciples now as he's on his way following this ruler to go work another miracle and his disciples are following along and they're thinking what are we going to see this time I mean We've seen some strange stuff, but certainly not a dead person getting raised. Before they can even get there, God sends a token for good. You know, you ever trust God for a miracle and he gives you a couple of miracles along the way? Well, here comes a miracle that interrupts the other miracle and it is the story of this woman with an issue of blood. We're going to come back to her because I want to get these in order. And a miracle has worked in her life. All right, so... That would have encouraged uh, uh, the, the, the ruler here as he is following Jesus with the disciples saying, Lord, please help this to work. God in heaven, please help this to work. Help this, this, this Messiah to truly be the Messiah and to raise my daughter from the dead. And oops, we have an interruption. What does she want? Oh, she wants to be healed. And what do you know? She just got healed. Okay, Jesus, let's go. <laughs> Hurry on. Let's get to my house. My daughter is going to be healed. That would be so cool to see that. And I had the Lord do that to me all, so many times where you're trusting God and along the way, here comes a token. So we'll come back to the woman uh, with the issue of blood. But we'll pick it up again in verse 23. So he, he goes and so did his disciples. Verse 23. When Jesus came into the ruler's house and saw the minstrels, the people making a noise, that's the way they would mourn for their dead. The minstrels, the musicians would come, and these people just making a racket of mourning. He said unto them, Give place, for the maid is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. Why? They were no fools. They knew what a dead person was. And this person was dead. The Lord says, here's a lesson we can take from this. When it comes to the Lord uh, and his power, death may as well be sleep. He can 
wake the dead. And all the dead will be raised one day, raised incorruptible. It's no big deal for God. But they laugh him to scorn because they think that they know more than he. And many a person who is about to take a big step of faith and see a miracle has been laughed to scorn for it. This is ridiculous. This is you're you're out of your mind. Ha ha ha! You're crazy. That's funny. But when the people were put forth, he went in and took her by the hand, and the maid arose. Wow. And the fame hereof went abroad into all the land. We're into Matthew 9. We've seen two miracles, but we skipped one. Let's go back to the woman, as one friend of mine said, the woman with issues. Uh, I don't know if that's nice. Probably not. But the woman with an issue of blood, she comes fighting through the crowd, and she's had this disease 12 years. Any of you who have had uh, physical problems for any amount of time can relate to this. 12 years. Same thing, won't go away. She had exhausted her living. Not all the details are in this account, but if you take all the gospel accounts, she had, she had exhausted her living. She'd seen all the doctors. She had probably read all the books. I mean, whatever they read, parchments. She had no answers, but she heard about Jesus, and she said, if I can just fight through the crowd, all I need to do is get a touch of his garment. Well, that's crazy too. Matthew 9 is full of crazy people who have these, these, these ridiculous ideas. But she came behind him and touched the hem of his garment, for she said within herself, if, I'm a, if, I, if I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. You know, where did she come up with that idea? I don't have a Bible verse for that. Hezekiah 3.2. If thou touch the hem of his garment, <laughs> there's no verse for that. Um, this is someone who believed something about someone and acted upon it. She said, if I can get near this man that we believe to be the Messiah, I'll be whole. But Jesus turned about, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. Twelve years of suffering, gone. Why? She was determined to get through the crowd to Jesus because she had to see a miracle. Well, the passage is not done. Matthew chapter 9, we keep reading. Go back, up to, uh, or back down to 27. And uh, verse 27 says, And when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. This was a busy day for Jesus. He's been healing people left and right. He's just walking out of the ruler's house and he's got to heal a couple of more. Have mercy on us. And when Jesus was come into the house, the blind men came to him and Jesus saith unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this? That's an interesting question. And why does that matter? Why doesn't he just heal whoever he wants to heal? There's a key there we're going to come back to. Believe ye that I'm able to do this? <clears throat> they said unto him, Yea, Lord. Then touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith, 
be it unto you. I hope they believed him for the full 2020. <laughs> I think that they did, okay? Uh, but according to their faith, be it unto you. Uh, there's, that's not the first time we see that sort of thing in, in the Bible. There was the king who smote on the ground three times and stayed and only got three battles won. And uh, he was chided for that and was scolded and said, uh, uh, you should have kept smiting and then you would have wiped out all of your enemies. Why'd you stop at three? Well, I don't know. According to your faith, be it unto you. There is a theme in Scripture. Uh, so, uh, they, they say, yea, Lord, and he says, he touched their eyes according to, their faith, to your faith, be it unto you, and their eyes were opened, and Jesus straightly charged them, saying, see that no man know it. Now, that's an interesting uh, little side note there. He, he says, see that no man know it. Why? Well, he was probably having a hard time going from A to B, as we're already seeing. Uh, you know, he's being thronged, and, and he, he's still... Uh, wanted to be on the down low as much as possible, right? But they couldn't help themselves. They, when they were departed, spread, abo spread abroad his fame in all that country. Do you see the miracles adding up here? And you say, these are some big asks. One, if we can get a paralyzed man to Jesus through the roof, maybe something good will happen. Another one, maybe if I can get him to my dead daughter, she'll live again. Another ask, maybe if I can just fight through the crowd and swipe the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. Another, hey, uh, I'm blind, me and my buddy, can you make us see? Folks, I think we forget, when we're talking about asking God for a miracle, <clears throat> you might as well go for the moon. That's what, that's what we see here. These are not small things. I think sometimes we, we sell God short, and in a sense, we do great injustice to his omnipotence and say, okay, Lord, I, I, I know that you know, it's a recession and people are getting laid off and the stock market's crazy, and there's a, a war in Russia and Ukraine and all of this. And, you know, Lord, they, they, they threatened, they're threatening to lay me off. Would you, would you just have time to spare my job? As if that's any big thing with God. Why not ask him for his blessing in abundance to be able to, to do what he's called you to do, to support missionaries, to get in the work of God, to, uh, to be uh, generous? That's just one example. But we sometimes sell God short. Well, we got one more story, and that is the story of the demon-possessed man who could not speak, being delivered. Verse 32 says, As they went out, behold, they brought to him a dumb man possessed with a devil. Now, don't think of him as stupid. The word dumb is in the old archaic use of this word. Uh, someone who was dumb was someone who could not speak. They were mute. So they brought to him a man who could not speak, who was possessed with a devil. And when the devil was cast out, the dumb spake. And I wonder what he said. It's not recorded, but I'm sure he had some stories to tell and some praise to sing and some thanksgiving to offer. And the multitudes marveled, saying, it was never 
so seen in Israel. But there's always got to be a scoffer. There's got to be a hater in every bunch. And here they come. But the Pharisees said, he casteth out devils by the prince of devils. That's good. Hey, if you don't have any heckler in the crowd, you're probably not saying anything that's that important. There needs to be somebody who's fighting you, uh, and that helps you to know that you're on target, at least a little bit. But these are several stories in Matthew chapter 9, all dealing with great miracles. And this last miracle is no smaller than the rest of them. A demon-possessed man who can't speak, being brought by his friends. What, are you guys crazy? No, they're not. So what's the common thread throughout these stories? <clears throat> and no, it is not that they were all crazy. Okay, that, that may seem like the common thread. These were all people who were out of their mind, who had crazy ideas. No, I would suggest it is not, the common thread is not how crazy they were or how smart they were or how rich they were or anything like that. It, it is faith that's the common thread. Faith to improvise if need be, break open a roof and let the friend down into the house. That is some bold, outlandish faith. Faith to ask Jesus to raise the dead. That's crazy. That's out there. What if it doesn't happen? What if you look stupid? You're a ruler. You've got a reputation. And not only did he ask Jesus, but the Bible says that the first thing he did is worship. Verse 18. Behold, there came a certain ruler and worshipped him, saying, he worships him first publicly, and then he asks, will you, save, will, you, will you spare my dead daughter? Faith to open a roof, faith to ask Jesus to raise the dead, faith to fight through a crowd to touch his garment. I don't know. That just seems too simple to me. I'm kind of like Naaman. Naaman, go dunk yourself seven times in that filthy Jordan River. Ah, I'm not doing that. And the servant comes along. If he'd asked you to do something crazy, would you have? Well, sure. Something expensive? Yeah. Well, why not do the simple thing? Oh, okay. <laughs> I just don't think that way. It can't be that simple. Uh, sometimes it's, it's harder to have faith for a simple thing. So here we have two extremes. People having faith for... Uh, raising a dead daughter and someone else having faith that if I just touch this little him, he'll, he'll spare me. Faith to ask for sight. Now that's tough. The physical things that we live with, they're, they're so real. that They're a part of us. The pain, the suffering. And we say, but what about Paul? He asked for his thorn in the flesh to be, to, to be um, uh, removed, and it didn't take place for him. I'm going to come back to Paul. But I tell you, it is sometimes hard to ask for miracles in our own body or, or, or physical, physical healings and so forth, and yet we have definite biblical precedent for it. And you have the faith here to ask for the deliverance of one who's been demon-possessed. 
His mouth has been shut. And he is at the mercy of really his, his friends to bring him to Jesus. There's so many things you could talk about. You could talk about the friends and their faith. You know, it wasn't just one person's faith. It was several people's faith coming together. But th there is a common thread that faith is an important key, if not the key, to seeing a miracle. I'm going to come back to that, but let me move on and say there was also a mixed response between these witnesses of the miracle. You think about that? Some marveled. Some believed and spread the news. Some were offended and cast judgment. Some people have to have a human explanation for everything. They just are, are all about uh, science and this and that and other thing. I'm not against science. Not against science at all. It's just science doesn't have an explanation for everything. I'm sorry. It doesn't. Science is trying, and I'm glad for it. But I don't have to have a scientific answer to believe God. I'm, great, I'm glad for medicine. I'm glad for technology. But I don't need those things to give me what I need to believe God. These people who have to have a human explanation for everything. Everything has to be worked out ahead of time. Everything has to make sense. Everything has to be accounted for. It all has to add up. People like that live very frustrated, boring, and often hopeless lives. If everything has to add up, you know what? Everything doesn't always add up in life. And so you're just doomed to that. If that's all you have hope for, that's, that's pretty hopeless. Not everybody believes in miracles. And I want to tell you something, folks. There are Christians who believe in miracles but have forgotten about the miracle worker. And for all practical purposes, there are Christians who have given up on the miracles that the miracle-working God wants to do. We need revival. Ultimately, the people who in this story could not deny the supernatural nature of what had happened did this. Okay, they couldn't deny something supernatural had happened, so what'd they do? They gave Satan the credit for it. Isn't that crazy? They're looking at this and they're going, what just happened? The guy who can't speak is speaking and the demon is gone and they see this whole thing, however it went down, and there's others here going, praise God, praise God, we just witnessed a miracle. And they're like, well, it can't be that, because this guy's not with God. He must be with the devil. And they would rather give the devil the credit for the miracle than to have to believe in miracles from God. That is very, very sad, but that is still as prevalent today as it ever was. Folks, I want to ask us, what do we have to lose when it comes to asking God for a miracle? What do you have to lose? Well, what if I ask God for a miracle in my family and my kids and God doesn't do it? My kids might lose faith. They might think God's a fairy tale. You know, and I, I don't know how I would explain that. He's God. He doesn't need you to watch his back. 
He doesn't need you to explain anything. He just needs you to bow before him and trust him and teach your kids to bow. And when things don't happen on your timetable, you bow and you teach your kids to bow. And when things happen, but happen differently, you say, kids, wasn't that neat? That's, I mean, we got where we wanted to go, but we didn't see it going this way. Wow, but isn't God good? And, and you just bow before him. You don't have to have, we don't have to make God look good. He is good. And he looks good whether we think he looks good or not. So remember, you have nothing to lose. Trust God. A couple things I want to just give a couple lessons here. I think I put these on the board. Um, some lessons for today. Number one, God rewards faith. God rewards faith. He says, according to your faith, be it unto you. We don't understand this entirely, do we? I mean, does anybody here understand exactly what the equation is to get every single prayer you ever wanted answered and so forth? And we, we struggle with this. There are times that men and women of faith have not received their requests as they asked them. I could take all kinds of time and go through examples in the, in the Scripture. I already alluded to Paul and his thorn in the flesh. For this I besought the Lord thrice. The Lord said, I'm not going to take away your thorn in the flesh. We think it was a trouble with his eyes, possibly. He would have to write with a large hand to be able to see his own writing. And oftentimes he wouldn't even write. He would just have somebody else write for him. Perhaps that was his thorn in the flesh. But he asked God three times, take it away. Paul was a man who saw miracles. Paul was a man who was involved in miracles. God worked miracles through his hand. He, he laid his hand on people and saw people healed. And yet you can't heal your own, your own, your own eyes? What, what, what is this? Paul, have you lost your touch? Did you lose the faith? No, folks. We have to bow ultimately to the Lord in every situation and circumstance of life. We're bowing to him. And there are times that God is doing something that is beyond what we can see at this moment. And we have to recognize that he is still good and he is still answering that prayer, though it may not be how we wanted it to happen in that moment. But Paul's throwing the flesh, that bothers us. You got the seven sons of Sceva, remember that? Why could we not cast out the devil? And, uh, you know, this, I guess this was a really intense situation. But the Lord teaches us that there are certain situations that require prayer and fasting. And this, this kind cometh out but by prayer and fasting. So we're trying to figure this out. Okay, prayer and fasting. And okay, you got, you, got uh, you know, all these different components. And if I get it just right, maybe I'll get my prayers answered and see my miracle. You know, in the Old Testament, you have a different situation where Daniel, Daniel was having a hard time getting his prayer answered. Come to find out when the answer shows up, the angel says, I was going to answer you right away, but basically spiritual warfare went down. Satan withstood me and I had to do some battle before I could get here. That blows my mind. What? You don't know what's going on in the unseen realm when you pray 
that prayer that you prayed today. Things don't always happen in the timing that we think they should happen and so forth, and there's all kinds of reasons for it that we can't see. So what's the exact equation? I want my miracle, and so what's the equation? Well, two or three are met together, praying in his name, and there's importunity, and then there's fasting, and then there's mustard seed faith, whatever that is, I'm trying to get there. He goes, whatever that is, that'll move a mountain, man. So I want that. I must not have it because I haven't moved any mountains lately. And then there's believing and there's really believing. I think sometimes, folks, we like to get everything all mathematical, all squeaky clean, and it all just works out. How many of you love math? Raise your hand if you love math. Okay, several of you love math. I never liked math. Probably because I wasn't as good at it as I should have been. My father-in-law loves math. And he loves to talk about math. And if Samuel has a math problem, he can call Grandpa. And Grandpa say, oh, let's sit down and talk about that. That's a good one. Now, do you understand what they're doing here? No, Grandpa, I just need the answer to number nine. You know? <laughs> no, <laughs> this is good stuff. And you ask Grandpa, why do you like math? He says, because it always works. It's predictable. It's repeatable. It always works. It's one of the few things in life that always works. Unless you go to certain schools. But we'll come off of that one. We'll get off of that. Okay. We want an equation. You know, God talks a lot about faith, and he's got a lot of different pieces of the puzzle. I'm not trying to make light of any of these pieces. Fasting, importunity, mustard seed faith, praying in his name, two or three being met together. But the truth of the matter is, if you're like me and if you're honest, you will, you've probably said to yourself, wait a minute, I did that, but the prayer didn't get answered, and I didn't see the miracle, and blah, 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 blah. It didn't, it didn't go down like it was, I mean, I did, you ever, you ever say to the teacher, mom, I worked the problem. Homeschoolers say mom. You guys say teacher. Teacher, mom, whoever, I worked the problem and it, it didn't work. It's supposed to work. And it's frustrating. I used to go to my mother with all these problems in the book that were errors. I thought I'd found all these errors. Nope, the book was always right, Okay. What about this equation that we're looking for? God has not drawn up faith to be an equation that is basically so objective we don't need a relationship with Jesus anymore. We just dial up this certain, do -do 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 -do, dial up a miracle. I think he wants, the whole point of faith is a resting and a bowing and a dependency it's literally throwing yourself into the arms of Jesus and he's the only one holding you up. If God would give us an equation, do you know what we would do with it? Thank you very much, Jesus, and we would walk away with that equation in our hip pocket. Hey, brother, do you need a miracle? You need a miracle? Easy. Two or three, right here. Importunity, so much, so long. More, 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 done. Okay, and now we need, now we need, you know, uh, yeah, uh, 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 pray in Jesus' name, and then we need a little bit more mustard seed faith. That's not mustard seed. No, this is mustard seed. More faith. And we'd work the whole thing out. 
to the science. And we'd package it, and we'd sell it, and we'd market it, and we'd have all these different conferences and YouTube channels and so forth and so on. And God would have been like so far left. He'd be just, we'd forgot about God. Thank you, God. You gave us what we need and we can take it from here. We know how to, to, to mass produce this. But faith is not an equation. Faith is talking about a relationship of utter dependency of learning to let the layers of the onion of your selfishness and self-dependency be peeled back. Faith is about um, me seeing how helpless I am and how, how hopeless I am apart from Jesus and just casting myself upon him. It's rest, it's dependence. As I've mentioned several times, it's bowing before him. Do you think when these blind guys came to Jesus, do you think they knew exactly how this was going to go down or how this is going to play out or anything? No. They, were, they knew one thing. We've got to get to him. What are we going to do when we get there? I don't know. But if we can get to him and just cast ourselves at Jesus' feet, I think some good things are going to happen. And that's exactly what happened. Let's dare to believe God. Well, what should we ask for? Let's ask for it all. Let's go the whole way. Because you never know. We're talking about Jesus. If we can get to Jesus, we'll, load, we'll unload the whole thing and trust him with it. He's good. Why not? He wants to give good gifts. He wants to give the Holy Spirit to them that ask. The lesson for us today, the first one, is that God rewards faith and don't overthink it. Don't overthink it. Think of faith as my relationship with Jesus leaning on the everlasting arms. Overthinking is not faith. Overthinking is, is, is it's me again. That's, I'm depending on my thinking and how many of you... Simple faith. God loves it and he rewards it. Secondly, the biggest miracle in this whole list, I said four, maybe five miracles. Well, here's the fifth and it's actually the first. The biggest miracle of salvation. Back to the very beginning of the passage. The very beginning of the passage. The first thing he says is this. Be of good cheer, son. Thy sins be forgiven thee. Now, I wonder if that took any of them off guard. Is that why they went to Jesus? Is that why they tore the roof apart? Is that why they lowered him down as people are no doubt hollering at them? Hey, get those guys off of here. Well, what's going on? Hey, you know, and maybe even some foul words were past their direction. Who knows? I wouldn't put it past them. And... They get him into Jesus' presence, and Jesus says, Son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven. What? <laughs> he still can't walk. It just goes to show what Jesus sees as the biggest miracle of all. It's the miracle of salvation that he can forgive us, that everything that we have done can be wiped away, removed, as far as the east is from the west. 
That's the biggest miracle of it all, folks. Thy sins be forgiven thee. And he says, oh, there's a few of you guys who, who aren't getting it. Why think you evil in your heart? But I'll, I'll play your game. Not that he said it that way, but whether it is easier to say thy sins be forgiven thee or to say arise and walk. But so that you would know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. Come here, buddy. Arise, take up your bed and walk. And off he goes. To Jesus, the lesser miracle just took place of the two. He wasn't half as excited about that one as he was about the first one. And I'm not saying that to diminish that miracle. It was still amazing. I'm saying it to give all of us hope. Because if you're, how many of you had your sins forgiven? And you're not ashamed to say it. I've had my sins forgiven. Okay, then praise the Lord. There's a room full of people who've already witnessed a miracle, power on earth, that makes the angels stand up and sing. Power that we don't even realize was poured out on our behalf. And now you're praying for another miracle. You're praying for the sick of the palsy to be able to get up and walk. And you're like, oh, I don't know if, I don't know if God wants to do this for me. And who am I? And all these games that we play, they keep us from just throwing ourselves at his feet. And here he's saying, this is the lesser of the two. If you can trust me for salvation, you can trust me for whatever miracle you need in your life. The biggest miracle is salvation, friend. Number three, if you want a big, bold miracle, you might need to take a big, bold step of faith. Now, don't get, sometimes we, we hear spiritual things, we, refli, we, we, we respond fleshly to them. And I can see how you could take this the wrong way. I'm going to be super big and super bold. I have the biggest step of faith, and whoa, I have a miracle of miracles. This is not about how big and bold you think you are. I'm trying to make the point that many of us are just too timid. That's the, that's the point I'm trying to make. Not let's have a boldness competition. That will be a disaster. And I've been a part of those competitions, and it's a lose-lose, okay? <laughs> I'm more spiritual than you because I have bolder faith than you, and look at what I did. No, God's not in any of that. I'm just trying to say, if you look at this passage of Matthew chapter 9, timidity fell to the wayside as the urgency of the emergency took over. I've seen some mothers become big and bold just that fast. Mothers who were more of your timid, you know, soft-spoken, whatever, Ladylike individuals, and, but boy, when there is an emergency that involves my kid, boom, there goes mom. Big, bold actions. Well, folks, if you need a miracle, if it really is urgent, if it, if it really is a desperate situation, you need to be willing to push through an awkward, uncomfortable situation. You need to be willing to disregard what people think about you and trust God for that miracle. And you might ask your brother or sister to pray about this situation and they say, now, sister, that can't happen. And you may need to just say, 
hey, you know what? Thank you, but I'm still going to pray for this. Because I believe this needs to happen, and it can happen, and I believe it will happen. I, I, but I'm trusting and bowing before the Lord to do this. I am going to throw myself at Him and see what He does. Are you willing to be misunderstood? I'm not telling you to go tear a roof off. Some of you guys might do it, and I'm going to get in huge trouble. Pastor Barber told me to do it, so I just tore through the roof, man. <laughs> no. But are we willing to take an outrageous step that God is leading us to take? We saw a roof torn off, the dead. A guy asked for, for, for Christ to raise the dead. Uh, someone fought through a crowd to brush a garment. Blind men asked for sight. A, a bunch of guys asked God to deliver a demon-possessed man who couldn't speak. What are you thinking you need to ask God about? It can't be any worse than that. Can't be any crazier than that. And this is not a name it and claim it message. This is a simple go to Jesus, what do you have to lose message. If you only take big, bold steps of faith after everything makes perfect sense, that wasn't a big, bold step of faith, was it? We need to be willing to embrace the impossible and see it as an opportunity for God to be glorified. And that's our last lesson. <clears throat> Miracles are a platform for the power of God and ultimately the glory of God. A couple of verses I'll highlight again. Verse 8 said, But when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, which had given such power unto men. When the multitude saw it, they glorified God because of his power. I'll remind you of verse 26. And the fame hereof went abroad into all that land, spreading like wildfire. Why? Because a miracle took place, and I saw it with my own eyes. Verse 31. But they, when they were departed, spread abroad his fame in all that country. And then uh, verse 33, halfway through, and the multitudes marveled, saying, it was never so seen in Israel. Oh, that we would see things that people would have to say have never been seen before. And I, I want to preface this by saying, don't seek that just so that would be said. That's not the reason you seek that miracle. No, seek it because the miracle needs to be done. This thing needs to be seen. If there are certain things that have never been seen before, well, Lord, if we need them, let us see them. And remember, there will always be the other response of the Pharisees that said, he casteth out devils through the prince of devils. Don't let that kind of response to your faith discourage you from continuing to ask God to move. There could be well-meaning brothers and sisters in Christ who won't understand what God's put in your, in your heart to do. Now, take counsel with people and, and weigh things before the Lord, but sometimes, folks, there are things that God has told you to do, and you know, I just got to keep moving forward. This brother or sister just doesn't understand all that God has put in my heart at this moment and what I'm asking for. 
Don't be discouraged when someone throws cold water <clears throat> on your miracle that you're asking God to, to perform. I've gone over time here, but let me close with saying, when is the best time to believe? Well, we would tell an unbeliever, now. Why not you and me? How about now? I'm asking God for miracles in 2023, and I've got, I've got a page or two full of them. I'm asking God both individually and also for our family and also for our church and also for our country. Vision Sunday, Lord willing, I plan to present some things that God's laid on my heart. And I'll tell you right now, I feel like one of these crazy men in Matthew chapter 9. So you pray for me because there's a few days I've gotten up this week and they're like, oh my word, who am I kidding and what am I doing? And I'm going to stand up before the church on Vision Sunday and we're going to go through this stuff. You know what though? I get excited because this is not the first time someone has asked for something crazy or impossible. And if we do, we're in good company so long as he's leading I'll tell you this, I don't want to end my life in ministry and have never asked for something impossible. And if I never get it, I will bow to the Lord. We bow, we rest, we trust. But I believe I serve a miracle-working God, and I believe he's no respecter of persons, and if not them, then why not here? And if not there, why not here? God can furnish a table in the wilderness, and, and I, I look at a recession coming I look at inflation spiking and stock market crashing and wars and all of this, and, and, and it sounds like a horrible time to do anything. But that's not Bible. The Bible would say this is the, maybe the best time to trust God for something because if God were to work a miracle when things are good, we'd take the credit for it. We'd say, yeah, we could afford it and we could do it and we did it and things are great and aren't we smart here in America? I don't think we see miracles in good times like we see miracles in bad times. And so if we have bad times coming, then let's ask God for a miracle. What can it hurt to aggressively believe God and ask for the impossible? My faith's not at stake. I believe God no matter what. I trust that God knows and God will, God will do what is best. Let's trust him in 2023. Will you trust God for a miracle? this year. Lord, help us, I pray. Thank you for these stories of faith from your word, one right after the next. And I pray, Lord, for individuals right now who need to cry out to you in faith, believing you for the impossible. I pray that you'd give them uh, just that childlike, simple faith to throw themselves upon you, to bow, to believe, to rest to hold on to you, knowing that you love us with an everlasting love. Help now, I pray, in Jesus' name.